0: Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am here with, in person... In real life, IRL as the kids say. Somebody who everyone knows recently because he's dominated <laughs> my schedules,
1: Mr Dylan Reece, say hello! Hello everybody, I'm here with Joe in my flat, it's all very surreal... I'm not used to having two people in this room. Usually it's just a distance voice on a Zoom, but here we are.
0: We're in an Aladdin's cave of Doctor <laughs> Who memorabilia. Behind me, I've got the arm from Terminator 2. Yes. <laughs> a Ghostbusters trap. There's also an incense burner. The entire collection of myth makers.
1: Yeah, I mean, who else's house would you be at but, but <laughs> mine? <laughs>
0: oh, I'll turn this one off. Hang on. And uh, Dylan, why have we gathered today?
1: we gathered here today. Uh, to watch one of my favourite Doctor Who stories of all time, Dragonfire.
0: Baffling. Will you please explain why that is?
1: I mean, it's a story of great ambition and it's on the cusp of change of Doctor Who. I mean, the lazy sentiment is that Doctor Who gets good after this but at, or at the end of this. But actually, it got good right from about, well... Right from Time and the Rani, really, in terms of the McCoy era. And it does some interesting stuff. But this is it really starting to find its feet. And it's visually interesting, ambitious. Some might say too ambitious. But it's still the show firing on all cylinders, trying really hard.
0: When I reviewed season 24 for The Nine Will Be Praised, Mm. I declared this the weakest of the season. Well... But, upon reflection... I was I was sort of thinking about this another couple the weeks leading up to this. I think I know every bloody line of dialogue in this story. <laughs> you know, I know I know every performance. So something about this story has stuck in my head.
1: It's heavily quotable.
0: It is heavily. Oh, it's the first Ian Briggs script of two.
1: First of two.
0: Do you think this is the superior of the two?
1: No, I think Fenric definitely holds that that title. But it is. It's just it's bubbling with exciting ideas and interesting concepts that may not all quite work, but it's you, a lot of fun.
0: You've always found the idea of going to a freezer centre in space <laughs> exciting, then?
1: Yes, exactly. Well, I can't help but just roam around Iceland every now and, <laughs> and then, with going. <laughs> Good night, Titty. <Teddy." laughs> Skipping around just uh, as a little girl, and uh, uh, but I live in East London, uh, so uh, <laughs> that sort of thing is fine.
0: Obviously, we're seeing in Ace. We're seeing out Mel. Yeah, we've got the return appearance of Glitz. Yeah, and I think some people would say this is where McCoy really sort of beds in.
1: Yeah, he finds his feet. I think he's got the performance. Like he's trying different things in the first three stories of the season, but here he is really, he's really found his feet. I think and. That that doctor that you get in survival or the curse of Fenric or Remembrance is very much present here.
0: There's some dark moments in this story, isn't it? I've been quoting to you for the last week <laughs> the sequence he has with Bellage. I'll try not to do it during the recording. You've oh heard... no, please. you've heard it enough. <laughs> I mean everything that comes out of Patricia Queen's mouth is Instantly memorable. She's a fucking legend. Oh, that's why. I think why. she's pissed. You know, while oh, she's yeah. recording this. I
1: think. I mean, have you seen that interview with her? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you know, at one
0: point she goes, "I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Look on the interweb. <laughs> that's what it's there for." <laughs> What's her name now, Dame? Oh my god. She's she's got a. No, I'm not sure if she's a dame, but she's she's Wait, married she, into money. She's
1: a dame in her mind. That's. She's, what she she's got
0: a... several wings in her house, I believe.
1: Yes, lucky her.
0: Um, Okay, one more question then, before we jump into episode one. Because I think a lot of people will say there is a dramatic upturn in quality between Dragonfire and Remembrance of the Daleks.
1: Would you agree with that? I think there's an upturn in production values. I think they learn how to work with the resources they've got. I think performance-wise, people are still honing their performances and things, but actually... Does this look too different to the Happiness Patrol? No. no.
0: I think this looks better than Happiness Patrol. But the
1: only difference with the Happiness Patrol is it's sold as it's supposed to look cheap and a bit naff. Whereas this is very much like it's overreaching. So I think it's the production values rather than the actual era itself.
0: Oh, the trouble with John Jonathan Turner is he always does these ambitious stories at the end of the season when the kitty's dry. Yeah,
1: it's a weird choice. But then you always want your season finale to be big. But then also the... They're just too short of cash anyway.
0: I remember in a Doctor Who magazine, there was a popular media critic at the time, and Doctor Who was coming in under fire Mm. this season. Like Nobody was really saying good things about it, including those high up at the BBC. Mm. And um, that critic said, I enjoyed episode one so uh, so much, I taped it and went back and watched it again. So I think the tide was turning.
1: It was. It was, because you've got an interesting lead. You've got interesting leads. Um... And it's just it's trying something new, and it's reinventing itself twenty-four seasons in. After everybody had written it yeah. off on the last season, I often wonder: uh, had this season come instead of Trial? Well, I know there's issues with this season. Whether it would have had quite the same reception as Trial did at the time, because at least this is different from most Doctor Who that's come before it.
0: I kind of think Trials a little bit underrated as well. Yeah, it is. It
1: is absolutely,
0: especially something like Mind Warp. I'm unforgettable oh, oh okay by the look in your face you're not a fan of that one have
1: you done Mind Warp yet? Oh, I haven't actually uh, no. we'll, we'll do Mind Warp one day it just okay. sign me up to the 5,000 as long as we
0: can have a lovely pub lunch again you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I can poke around in your room a bit no, more you can poke around you <laughs> want <laughs> remember I'm right next to you alright <laughs> um, well look uh, Shall we press play on episode one?
1: Let's press play on episode one. Oh,
0: in... So usually i press play on the thing as well. I'm not used to being in <laughs> someone else's hands like this.
1: In five, <laughs> four, three, two, one, go.
0: Off we go. Joe. Do, you know, do you think I'm a contrary bugger if I say that season 24 is my favourite Sylvester McCoy season?
1: I think... It is quite contrary, but it depends the sort of Doctor Who you like. I like it a bit camp. Well, then you (laughs) are in for a treat, my friend.
0: (laughs) But I also like it a bit dark. And actually, underneath all the light entertainment, there's some dark ideas going on. Yeah, there
1: are, absolutely. I mean, this is about someone who's been in prison for life away from, you know, his his lover was murdered. He's a terrorist. He may be in a freezer centre, but, uh, you know...
0: If only he'd got the latest edition of the Ordnance Survey of the Universe, <laughs> he would have known that his planet was
1: destroyed. Yes, he didn't think that after ten, five thousand years, is it?
0: There are a few moments like that in this story <laughs> where I'm like, um, maybe this just needed one more turn, you know, yeah. one more pass.
1: Look how big this set is.
0: They're using a the whole studio it's there, aren't bloody
1: they? bloody huge.
0: But I think this is indicative of the problems Because, you're right, it's vast and there's loads of dry ice, so it looks cold. But then at the back, there's some weird sort of fairy curtains draped there trying to suggest that it's ice. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the the biggest problem they have in this is the ice and the snow. They should have really imprisoned him on a lukewarm planet that was much more achievable on a BBC budget.
0: Have you ever been specially selected as a mercenary to... (laughs) To deliver fear and terror wherever you go?
1: No, no, I haven't. I've never had all the emotions <laughs> frozen out. Now, he's from Casualty, isn't he? This guy. Just he was sort of
0: big, big. Leo, wasn't he? Yeah, he
1: was like. What well,
0: we... sort of in BBC terms. Yeah, he was big. but
1: like when I came to this on video in sort of 1994 or something, he was like the, the main star of Casualty at that point.
0: I think you've probably got potentially the best villain performance of this. With Edward Peel's Kane
1: of, of the season of the eighties, what a of, the, of the, the McCoy era? Interesting. I think.
0: Yeah. I, I think. I think he knows how to play a Doctor Who villain perfectly. He's a little bit arch. Yeah. But he's fucking scary as oh, well. Yeah.
1: He's great. Some great action there. I always like how the um, console in the middle sort of mimics the TARDIS console for no apparent reason. And that's a
0: nice economic way of suggesting that there are people frozen
1: yeah. there. Wrapping up a bunch of uh, mannequins in bin bags, probably.
0: But you—you really—you said this was ambitious. There's a lot of sets that There's they ask of them in this. A
1: lot of sets, a lot of big sets. Um,
0: By the time we get to the singing trees and ice gardens, <laughs> I feel the resources have run out a little bit. Yeah, it but... suddenly
1: looks like the Silurians. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pay no attention to the intruder.
1: <laughs> now there's everyone's <laughs> favourite triangular wall in the background oh, that's uh, my... made its many appearances.
0: Okay, I'll give you ten points if you can tell me the first Doctor Who story that appeared in.
1: Is it full circle?
0: You need to go a bit further back than that.
1: Fuck, I oh, know, it's in Horns and Imon, isn't it? You need to
0: go further back than that.
1: Uh, the mutants. It is the mutants! <laughs> there we go. I've got a feeling you, you might have asked f- me that before. Three points for that. <laughs> 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 I always feel it's a bit of a treat when we see McCoy in the TARDIS because you, you get less and less McCoy in the TARDIS after sort of Greatest Show, I think it is. We don't really see it apart from that backdrop in Battlefield. Oh, that
0: curtain they've oh, got. The, yeah, the curtain on. Oh, look at this. They're trying to do a sort of Star Wars here. They've got yeah. all these... I mean, What's that freaky-looking fella there with the red beak? I think that might be an old Silurian mask, you know? <laughs> well,
1: do you know, I actually know it was... Um, Sue Moore, is it, or someone like that? There was a duo uh, who used to make these masks, and they were Doctor Who fans, and they were working on things like Terror Hawks and stuff like that. <gasps> but they, yeah, uh, but they would just come to John Nathan Turner with all these masks they've made for things like this, and they, he'd go, "Have they been in anything?" And they were like. No, and he would just use them. He give them a few quid, and it's just you know this is Doctor Who does the cantina, obviously because it's Doctor Who, it's like a camp cafe, but
0: on sixpence. But I do. If you look around, you can see costumes from other Doctor Who stories. Mm. I believe there's uh, one of the Meglos. Um, I don't know what were they called? No, it's
1: a Leisure Hive, or is it Meglos?
0: Oh no, there's, def- there's definitely a Leisure Hive there, but I think that costume there, the sort of Viking one, yeah, might, oh yes, might be from Meglos. Yeah,
1: but of course you know it's a uniform, you know. Oh,
0: what are those funky-looking green people are behind McCoy there?
1: cool. I mean, I'm surprised there isn't a big finish about them.
0: About all of them. Yeah, Tales good. of Ice Worlds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, you
0: pretend you wouldn't buy that, all right? I absolutely would.
1: Um, now, obviously, we've just seen the first introduction of uh, New Companion Ace. Yeah. Delivering drinks. And I know you're not a big fan of Ace, so...
0: Now... Uh, you're always slagging we,
1: Sochi- Sophie Aldrin off.
0: Can we just put a stop to this for a second? Because... Oh, I don't like her on audio. Okay. So that's why you hear me slagging her off awful lot, because I don't right. think Sophie Aldred translates particularly convincingly to audio. Right. It's quite hard to pretend to be 16 years old when you're, you know, pushing 60.
1: Yeah, very true.
0: I think she was a massive injection in the TV show at yeah. the time. You know, and people were talking about like the Doctor Who companions in a really positive way. The
1: relatable character.
0: And, well, for the first time ever, we're doing sort of emotional arcs
1: well Ian Briggs said he based her how she talked on the kids that he was teaching in sort of East London North London and while it's a bit corny these days I mean we in the playground we weren't too far from talking like that but I would say the only thing is we were like seven and uh,
0: I mean, I was young in a school in Crawley Mm. in the 80s, and the trash talk there was nothing like ace talk. You never
1: called anybody a bilge bag. You
0: mouse chauvinist bilge (laughs) bag. (laughs) You better watch out or I'll rivet your kneecaps together, (laughs) all right?
1: (laughs) I love Glitz. Me too. Now, Glitz, um, they asked Tony Selby to come back, and he took two months to agree. Really? Yes, before the script was written. He, re- he held out for two months before agreeing. Is this because of the reaction to Troll of the Time? I don't know, but I'm I'm always surprised that he never came back in Big Finish or anything, so I can only assume that Tony Selby just wasn't that into the role.
0: He did. one. He was featured in one BBC novel, and I'll give um, yeah. you ten points if you can name it.
1: Uh, it was written by Gary Russell, wasn't it?
0: David A. McKinty. Anyone would think you had a podcast, you know. Yeah, I know. We've only really just started covering the books. But uh,
1: what's uh, it called? Mission
0: Impractical. Of
1: course, it was on the With tip Fru- of Frobisher. Sick Doctor yeah. and Frobisher and Glitz. Frobisher, of course, confirmed coming back to the TV oh, series excited. by Russell T. Davis. I, I know. Not, but everybody believes it to be so. Oh, I hope so. Me too. CGI
0: Frobisher. They could do it now.
1: If the 50th anniversary... 50th? 60th anniversary ended up not being some sort of multi-doctor thing but loads of niche references and characters like that, I'd be happy. I'd probably just hang up the podcast at that point and go, my work here is done.
0: I had my biggest laugh on a podcast recently when you said to me and Luke Malloy on a recording that you were contrary enough that you wanted the new series of Doctor Who to bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, what are people going to think about this? All right, no fallback on it at all. Thank God. Look at that. Look at the wallpaper with all the fruit on it. I've got a shirt a bit like that, actually. I believe you. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Can I make a defensive Mel?
1: Absolutely. I'm a big Mel fan.
0: Because she's in six stories, all right? I don't think she had one ounce of character development in the entire time. No. But the enthusiasm that Bonnie Langford brought to the role, and just for a character to want to be there and and have adventures again, you know, we'd have... all those years of Tegan yeah. all those years of Perry
1: yeah I'd, I would rather watch Bonnie Langford than any of the companions that came before her from Adric onwards essentially I think she's brilliant
0: she skipped over into Big Finish they started giving her sort of genuinely yeah. thoughtful things to say and actually gave her a backstory and a boyfriend and I was like my god
1: and now she's going to be the Nick Fury of the uh, <laughs> of the new Doctor Who <laughs> spat out my years. coffee <laughs>
0: oh that's going to be brilliant you know yeah
1: bring it bring it back
0: there's a ginger on a, <laughs> on a ginger moped with the sexiest black doctor you've ever seen
1: what a time to be alive. <laughs> oh it's
0: Patricia Quinn
1: what the legend that is <laughs> that, again now we just missed like a little push into that, this set but this is a different room and it's a big set again. Like I don't know where they're filming this, but it, feel, it feels like they got the biggest studio.
0: There's a couple of glass shots in this as well. I think the the final showdown in episode three, the camera's right back in the set, and they've given it scale by sort of showing you the ceiling yeah. and stuff like that. So they are really think. Oh, I think Chris Clough is a little underrated. Yeah, I you know? think
1: he got a bit slagged off back in the day, but actually, I think he, you know he did this and Delta back to back. And that's how they did the blocks. And I, I think all his episodes are really well put together. He does bit, does bits of trial, doesn't he? Um he does Terror the
0: fur voice, Great yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, it's like he's got he again, he goes for the ambitious and it's it's not he doesn't get given like the darker scripts or things like that, but he gets given the fun scripts and he goes big with them and comes with lots of fun ideas. And Did
0: you ever listen to the Terror of the fur voice mm. commentary?
1: Oh, yeah, I think
0: I did, yeah. I'm going to say it again, I'm so sorry. When he goes, You know, I got into a lot of trouble because they told me that the Vervoids were vaguely sexual. And then Jane <laughs> Baker pipes up with, Vaguely sexual? What do you mean? And Pitt Baker goes, Change the fucking subject quick! <laughs> it's all the best commentaries ever. Oh, dear. Mind you, actually, I don't know if you've listened to any of the McCoy commentaries. Yeah. They're not quite... There's there's a lack of zip about them.
1: Yeah. You, you get some interesting stuff if they've got the right moderator, but... Do
0: you know what the big problem is? McCoy says it on the behind the sofa he hates watching himself back. Yeah. I wonder if that's a common problem with actors. Not Colin Baker, obviously.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, he's just happy for the work. <laughs> happy that he was once working and is now being paid to watch his old work.
0: So, did how old you are
1: did you watch this on transmission no i was i got into it with battlefield episode One. Oh, well, you told me this. so yeah, i day, could i you? could have watched it on transmission i would have been about five years old but, mm. i mean i watched it again and again on video release i think it came out in 93 and i probably got it in 94 and it was one of my most watched videos because um it's fucking great now have we missed the scene where she pours the milkshake over the oh board? that's a long pass, I think. Oh, is it because, do you know...
0: Oh, no, no, they, that's when they get kicked out of the cafe, uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: they're still in there. So I'll, I'll save my little bit of trivia there.
0: Oh, oh but, look at that helmet on that man behind them. <laughs> you said that <laughs> before. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I know this is not a great podcast in <laughs> me pointing at a screen saying, what? The, look there, look at the glass shot oh, yeah. of the ice. That looks incredible. Look at the yeah. the figures at the it's top. It's
1: incredible. Like, obviously, we all know it's a studio, and we all know it's, you know... Not what they got in mind, but they're doing the best they can.
0: Well, and the, you know, Doctor Who's been asking us to use our own, you Remember Reboss when that was a snowy landscape of just a you know, tiny corner of a studio, with a bit of yeah. starry yeah, flying exactly. in, and a church bell in the distance. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we've all seen Galaxy Four of this. The one episode that exists of this desolate landscape of a planet being destroyed, and it's literally the corner of a studio. Oh, no
0: one's asked to do that one, yet, thank God. Wow. Joe. I'm wondering, you know, if the uh, the people that provide the dry ice machine to the BBC were like, we're in, quits in this week, folks. (laughs) Because you look, every shot, there's some being pumped in. Well, it's. it, it does, says cold, doesn't it? it does suggest It, it is cold. dry ice. Yeah. That's, the, that's a, a split-level set as well, isn't it? You've got the...
1: Yeah, it's and it's always exciting when they do that in classic Doctor Who. Because quite...
0: Uh... Oh, sorry, this he's so scary here. As long as you bear my mark.
1: I know, it's, it's over the top, but in a very menacing way.
0: Many men have said that to me, you know. <laughs> as long as you bear my mark, I own you. All right. We should get
1: tattoos that are like Kane's mark on our hands, really, shouldn't we? That's actually not a, it's not a
0: bad design, is it? Oh here we go. Come on. Nan. What's your story?
1: So that lady there who is in a minute gonna get a milkshake poured over her, where have you seen her in Doctor Who before?
0: Oh Christ. Shirley something, isn't it? I
1: don't I can't remember her name.
0: Um No, I can't think.
1: She's one of the campers in the beginning of Stones of Blood. Oh of course <laughs> she
0: is. She gets
1: murdered while she's trying to have a shag.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that old horror movie trope, isn't it? One safe... <laughs> and he comes out doing his zipper up, yeah. so we know he's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> he's once just once you've pitched up your tent... Now, I just... thought we could have had a long shot then of that ice cream going all over her. They only
1: had one tape because the costume that the woman's wearing couldn't... Well, there wasn't a duplicate. So, oh, okay. so you had to get it in one and she slightly botches it.
0: Damn. There was that very strange moment in part three. You know, once the... Just in part three. When the when the entire massacre has taken place and that woman comes back and goes, oh, there you are! Come on, let's go! <laughs> everyone else has been killed.
1: I like to think there's a deleted scene where she was just, like, in a bar somewhere and hadn't realised what was going on. <laughs> oh, he is off for a nap.
0: Yeah. In fact, this can't been comfortable because that thing goes in over his head and then... Look, what's the, oh, later on you see the dry ice filling up in there. Yeah. Very relatable, this bedroom. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: it was in the script. It was written as a student's bedroom, and I think they've they've smashed it. per like they've smashed the design there. I loved the little plastic bag as it came in. It had an Ice World logo on oh, it. Branded. I, I yeah. need an Ice World plastic bag. Where is Clayton Hickman with that design?
0: They're thinking about the environment, aren't yeah. they? In a way, I don't think the show's been doing. Yeah, it for exactly, some time. exactly. You know what I love about this scene, and it really emphasizes it in the book, is they are. You know, Mel is obviously from a middle-class family. Yeah. Ace is obviously from a lower-class family. Yeah. And I like that sort of tension. And I think had Bonnie stayed on, as was originally suggested, she was going yeah. to be the first two, that would have been a really interesting dynamic.
1: But then they do it on Big Finish, don't they, exactly. years later? It and it just, yeah, because it's not the teenagers. You need those two mm. teenagers learning what their differences are. And growing apart and then ultimately together again, um, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen. That's a fucking cool t shirt she's wearing there. I'd wear that now. Yeah, me too. So, what
0: about the Nitro 9?
1: I mean, it's fine, she, she was an ace at chemistry. Uh, I think it's a very convenient thing, like a like K9 to have to get you out of trouble, and you know, it's made an appearance in the last. Televised episode of Doctor Who. I
0: did very much like that scene, you know, where she goes, Oh, it's all right for me to use it when you want me to. Yeah. Finally, she said that. Yeah. Which was, was very refreshing. And then
1: Sylvester shows up and I had a cry.
0: He was great, wasn't he? I'd be really What The joy is to
1: watch them fly. Yes, you're <laughs> ace. So By that point, I was <laughs> sobbing into my pillow, like, right, the, the cushion.
0: I even had a bit of a moment between Davison and Fielding, you I know. I know, which is weird. I don't give a <laughs> shit about that pair. <laughs> Oh, sort of apologise to your brother there. <laughs>
1: now, if I was to own an original Doctor Who prop, I think it would pro- probably be one of the cans of Nitro Nine.
0: Oh, I can make you one of those. Don't worry, but it's not the same if you make it. <laughs> when I was a kid, okay, her going around with bombs and a baseball bat was the coolest thing I could possibly imagine.
1: Yeah, but it's also quite imitatable for kids in terms of playing Doctor Who. All of a sudden, the companion's got a gimmick, and we can all get a Rander's bat or a baseball bat and a can of deodorant, and all of a sudden, we can all be ace.
0: To this date, you know, I I still want to get a baseball bat and take it to the BWS department of my shop and smash <laughs> every single ball. <bottle. laughs> Funny. Patricia Quinn's Balazs is a very interesting character. Yeah. She's somebody that Ace could potentially be if she takes Kane's offer. Yeah,
1: she's supposed to be Ace, but sort of 15 years later. These corridors, again, they're really cool. I mean, again, we know they're a set. What they're trying to do, as they've said many times before, they're trying to do aliens here, but it's on a Doctor (laughs) Who budget, so it doesn't quite work. But God love them for trying...
0: I don't really know at the end of the episode where he goes on that ice ravine. Yeah, and there's that sort of long shot there. Well, I think that looks really impressive.
1: Well, it's a very famous cliffhanger, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's a terrible? <laughs> we, we, we can discuss that a little bit more when we get to it. But... Oh, so I
0: love jumping ahead, don't I?
1: But, no, it's fine. Um...
0: Gordon Bennett. I still say that to this day. <laughs> Do you
1: think you got it from Ace?
0: I definitely got it from Ace. Yeah,
1: I would. Lo- I mean, I'm sure they're <clears> on the DVD, <throat> on the Blu-ray, but I'd love to see the studio floor plans for this.
0: Yeah, well, how they squeezed it all in.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable. I love all these little explosions.
0: That's very funny. Look, that's supposed to be ice, but it's all black. <laughs> <laughs> it's they black ice. Black ice. They, they love blowing up things in the studio yeah. in the eighties, don't they?
1: Now, this statue as well. I'm, I know it's not quite finished yet, but it mm. does look like a Playmobil model, doesn't it? <laughs> If I'd commissioned someone to make a nice statue of my great lost love, <laughs> I'd be a bit gutted that that's what I got.
0: Dylan, I could almost believe Exana lives again. Right.
1: She was an ugly woman. Actually, you see her later. don't you? She ain't that pretty. No? She, 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 she suffered severe burns. I think that's the only thing I can assume.
0: But I do like the idea of him pining over his lost love. Yeah, you know, yeah. stuck stuck here on the what is it? The the dark icy cold side of this planet yeah oh no look at this that looks like a panto set
1: it does Mm -hmm. uh i mean it does look like a panto set or it looks like a perk set.
0: i think there's even tinsel
1: yeah if you have a good look there is and like there's no excuse for the tinsel the it's fine just with the blue screen and that but it's just it's a shame but Keep your eyes peeled for singing trees, ice gardens, Dylan. <laughs> <done. laughs>
0: you notice McCoy's the only person that's sliding about. I
1: know. It's, it's terribly... It's a good idea, but it's terribly misjudged. You even all need to be... And that's that's down to Chris Clough. He should have said either. Yeah. All do it or McCoy stop. But you just don't have the time.
0: Going back to Clough quickly. I think the stories he directed in his first two years, mm. so Terror of the Vervoy's Ultimate Foe, dealt in the Bannerman*, and Dragonfire, I think his heart's really in it. Yeah. I think come Silver Nemesis, he's kind of done. Yeah. And there's a bit of lazy direction in there.
1: He's a very successful producer now, isn't he? He went out to do Skins, didn't he? He went out he? to do Skins and he's done loads of stuff. He's like, uh, I'm sure he's near retirement age now, but... It's, even so he's had a very impressive career
0: it's hilarious Colin Baker sucking up to him terribly in terror of verbal This going come on <laughs> you want to give me a bit of work don't
1: you <laughs> yeah. oh dear uh, this is the first bit, proper bit of Slippy McCoy isn't it and this is just the same set from before Redressed I think well the trouble is, is it
0: makes the doctor seem a bit bumbling yeah. compared to everybody else whereas you know it's ice you should be slipping about Yeah, I can barely get through the freezer at work without <laughs> falling over you <yeah? laughs> know
1: but, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, it's not fantastic, is it?
0: Can I ask you a question about the artifice of Doctor Who? Yes. Well, did, oh, hang on. No, I will come back to that question. OK. Because I I think this is a beautifully acted scene where we are, and really well scored as well. There's yeah. a piano score in this that sort of rises up as she's going for the coin. Yeah,
1: it's, it's an amazing score, actually, for this. Who did the score? Is it Dominic Glenn? Glyn,
0: Glynn, yeah. Not Kef. No. And I, I think Mark Ayres and Dominic Glynn probably did the best. They did, the but
1: I've got time for Kef. Oh, I love Kef. Kef was a unique musician.
0: Do you remember <laughs> that bit in Remembrance of the It It's like...
1: <laughs>
0: <dum, dum>, <laughs> <laughs> like it like the discos when I was younger. Uh, but
1: I was excited when, when I heard that as a kid. I was like, a Doctor Who's never sounded like this before. I was never a Dudley Simpson guy, though, so...
0: The tracking on my video during that scene <laughs> was gone <all> around <laughs> it so much. I was like, Doctor Who's going disco, yeah.
1: (laughs) She's got a fantastic jawline, hasn't she, at this age?
0: And I think she's just got that look of innocence about her and naivety Mm. that is perfect in this scene. Yeah. Where, what's the backstory again? A time storm
1: uh, whipped up in a bedroom and brought her here, Uh, ended up working as a waitress again. Have you ever had a time storm whip up in your bedroom? No, but then I've not been cursed by Fenrick. <laughs> I've whipped up a few storms in my bedroom from time to time. i uh, uh... that room, Or <laughs> Mrs yeah. oh. oh, is next door. I can't ask her. <laughs> Not
0: all the dogs are here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i Mel's off to be frozen like an ice pop. Yeah, bless her. Oh, so you never know what you're going to find in the back of the freezer. do you? <laughs> A fab oh. lolly and Bonnie Langford.
1: Perfect, I'm there. <laughs> you know, I've got two Bonnie Langfords on a shelf back there, as well you know.
0: <laughs> How great is that line? Do you fancy argue with a can of deodorant that re- registers nine on the Richter scale?
1: <laughs> Look at that! Now, do you, do you know, in the script, this was, like, slanted, and the Doctor can see that... Because there is clearly a path there below. Not there, but when you see the very wide shot, you'll see there is a path. And so he's trying to get down there, he's hooked on, and then he slips, and he's hanging off the edge. But the right. way the set was built, because... If you went on it at a slant, you would just hear all the bumping and banging. So it ended up being a straight ravine. So actually, the stupidest thing... Everybody thinks he just gets down there for no reason. You can still clearly see the path. The problem is, he's either going to fall to his death, which is a problem, or actually the path's quite near and he'd be fine falling to it if you see the wide... Oh, we'll talk about the creature again in the, in the...
0: The very funny thing about it is that because it's a production error that we can't properly see the path, which yeah. you can kind of see there, but it does just look like he's yeah. trying to kill himself. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. It's, a, it's led to all these people suggesting this is a very meta cliffhanger. It's not, the it's The literal a cliffhanger. <laughs> you know? uh, well, and uh, remember everything I said about him being dark in this story? Well, look at his facial expressions right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's brilliant. It, it's... <laughs> It's a very
1: doctorish response to the situation.
0: Oh, dear. No, but you see, look, there. Ah, yes!
1: So that's what he's trying to get to. What the hell
0: have we been complaining about all these years? (laughs) But then?
1: then, actually, if you look at that, that path's only really become clear on the Blu rays. Okay.
0: We um, sure that's not been matted in CGI effects. Sure, I'm effect? sure it
1: is there. It is there. This oh, okay. is not a, a fiddled with version.
0: If anybody who still has the VHS would care to watch <laughs> and get in touch <laughs> when this episode's released, one
1: day I'm going to convert all my Doctor Who VHSs so I can and then get rid of the tapes.
0: Is it true that all of the names of the characters in this are taken from like film? Critics yes, And yes, yes, stars and... Yeah. OK, do you know any of the history of any of them? I don't know any of them.
1: I don't, but I think that's just Ian Briggs being terribly funny and entertaining uh, because he's fresh out of university, studying film and what have you.
0: What um, Andrew Cartmel did, which I thought was pretty incredible, was one, he didn't give himself a writing assignment. Instead, he just encouraged all of this young, yeah. fresh, exciting new talent.
1: And it's a shame... Cause... All, uh Ian Briggs only has four credits, two Doctor Whos, one episode of Casualty, one episode of The Bill, and he's a teacher now. Is that it? Um, yeah. Um, and it's a shame because I do think, while this isn't perfect, Curse Effect and Fenric's a fucking masterpiece. I don't care what anybody says. And it, it, I just feel like, because it was the tail end of the 80s, television was changing, he was seen as being able to write for... A former television that wasn't really relevant. This show was sort of cursed, and it's like he really should have had a a stronger career. And you know, Bugs, Crime Traveler, they could have all done with an Ian Briggs, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, any of the writers that, but I think all the rest of them, Runaway Monroe, obviously went on to have a pretty incredible theatre career. Uh, Mark Platt churned out many a big finish and novel still. Still
1: got a a day job, I think.
0: And. I think he actually transferred to Big Finish quite successfully as well.
1: Yeah. Um, ben Aronovich worked in Waterstones for 20-odd years. And but he's done the Rivers of London now series now, now hasn't he? he's a hugely successful author, which is a- amazing. But it was literally like Doctor Who, a couple of bits of TV, nothing for 20-odd years. And now he's a hugely wow. successful author. Did, did, you,
0: did you ever read his novel, The Also People?
1: You know, I've never read it. It's one of the
0: best October books you'll ever read.
1: I do, I do need to read it. If I have read it, I've forgotten it. As you know, I, I have a habit of doing that.
0: I feel like with every single one of these things we talk about, a new episode of Too Hot for TV <laughs> pops into existence.
1: Uh, really, someone's got to pay me to do Too Hot for TV full-time so I can quit my day
0: job. <laughs> no, you've got a great day job. You don't <laughs> want to do that. Well, look, bef- um, as we out episode one, I've got a big question for you. Hit me. And what I'm about to ask you is quite appalling, actually, because if this did happen, your podcast would not exist. Mm-hmm. I cannot allow that to happen. Okay. Um, how would you... Because obviously this is, what, 87? The show's cancelled in 89. You say television's changing. And I think you're right. I think sort of somewhere early to mid-90s, that filmic look hit television, didn't it? Especially yeah. science fiction, the X-Files, Buffy, things like that. Suddenly it was all looking very stylish. What, what do you imagine Doctor Who would have looked like in the 90s? Uh,
1: I think it would have had to change. Doctor Who here is shot like, throughout the 90s, the only things that are shot like Doctor Who are uh, sitcoms and soap operas with soap operas with standing sets, this multi thing. So it would have looked, it would have been I think it still would have been videotape. I don't think they would have gone to film. Really? Yeah, I think it would have looked... Assuming it's a British production. Um, Yeah. And it would have been single camera. It would have been your crime travelers. But Red Dwarf, look at Red Dwarf in the 90s. Look at those, you know...
0: The model shots are incredible. It's the same
1: people that was doing this. And, you know, the model shots in the McCoy era are largely largely good. There's a few hit and misses. But, yeah, it would have looked like Red Dwarf, I think.
0: The thing I noticed going back and watching Bugs recently, and that's I think that's ninety three, mm. something like that. So it's early nineties, and that's all done on videotape. Yeah, it looks very. They've mastered it though. Okay. It looks very stylish, and you know the technology dates. It's all about mm. technology bugs, yeah. and unfortunately, nothing dates like <laughs> computers. <laughs> so they've got this massive bulky text on every screen. Yeah. But if Doctor Who had looked anything like that, it would have been incredible.
1: Well, I think I think it probably would have. Um, I suppose it's pertinent to say with uh red dwarf i mean the location stuff right because the studio stuff in red dwarf is still multi-cam because it's still at its heart a sitcom but it's those effects the location stuff the bug stuff and you know i think i think there was a world for that i think while while i'm happy the way things turned out an extra like I, in my mind i would have loved doctor who to have run until its 30th anniversary and just you know you get mccoy Maybe you get one more season of McCoy, a year off, and a special, and that's it. And then that's the end of Doctor Who until the TV movie or whatever, and then it comes back. But it was not to be, unfortunately.
0: I have just this week re listened to your Dark Dimension episode of Too uh, Hot for yeah, TV. I mean, when
1: I say a 30th anniversary
0: <laughs> special, I don't mean that one. <laughs> oh, it sounded fucking awful. Mm. Well, look, I mean, we could talk about the 90s till we're blue in the face, but we've got to talk about the 80s. Yeah,
1: 1987 in particular. Are
0: you ready to skip into episode two?
1: I'm ready to skip into episode two. Let's do it. Huzzah.